read verses 18 and 19 today as we continue our journey through the wonderful letter book of Colossians I had a guy stop me in town the other day he says hey preacher what you preaching on this week and of course all my my girls it's always been a running joke in our home they'd ask me daddy what you preaching on this week when they were growing up and I'd say well I'm preaching on Jesus for about 15 minutes they knew one part of that was true another part of that probably not so much amen but no I told this gentleman in town the other day I said well actually I'm preaching through the book of Colossians today and we're getting toward the end of chapter 3 and he said well what's kind of the theme of the book of Colossians and I thought man this is a good opportunity so I talked with him for a minute and I said you know the whole theme of the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae is on the preeminence of Christ how he is our all sufficient savior in all things and I think it's good for us to remember that in every area of our life that he is completely sufficient to meet all of our needs and he is completely sufficient for whatever comes into our life and he is the preeminent son of God supreme in all things so I'm thankful for what the word of God teaches us Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 if you found your place in physically able won't you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word just two short verses of scripture today and I believe it's going to be on the screen for you too to follow along if you need that here's what the word of God says Colossians 3 18 and 19 it says wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord and husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them father in the name of Jesus I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word today I thank you for what we've been a part of thus far thank you for the songs that have exalted the name of Christ and God I pray have prepared our heart for worship true worship today that we might receive the seed of the word of God it might fall on good soil might take root it might make a difference in our lives and every person we come in contact with God we just pray you be honored and glorified today through the faithful proclamation of your word and may lives be forever changed as a result of being here today in Jesus name amen and amen thank you, you may be seated I'm speaking to you today on the establishment of a Christian home as we have made our journey through the book of Colossians, we come to this section that deals specifically not just with any home, but the Christian home. One author said this that I studied. He said, Colossians 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 1 could be titled, How to Have a Full and Rich Family Life. You see, the text contains three sets of exhortations. From 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, there are three sets of exhortations, and we'll deal with one today, which is the exhortation to wives and husbands. Lord willing, next week we'll deal with the second one in verses 20 and 21 when he exhorts children and parents. And then the last one in, in verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 1, is where Paul, Paul exhorts servants and masters. So for the next three weeks, Lord willing, in this journey through Colossians, we're going to explore the relationships that we all have and should have and how those relationships make for a Christ-honoring home. I believe today if we all took a vote and said, hey, do you want your home to honor Christ? I believe we'd all honestly say, yes, we do, and we should. But I believe the Word of God teaches us how to take it from saying, yes, we should, into, yes, we will. I really believe that. So why does the Bible speak so pointedly 
about this situation of particular social relationships? Well, I believe that it's because one of the greatest social problems facing human society today is the inability for people to get along with one another. Not just in public, not just in the workplace, but even down at the church house. It's important. See, no matter where the disunity may exist, the problem is always the same. Human beings are separated from God for one reason, and that is because of sin. And apart from God, there can be no level of absolute moral standards. He gives us that in the Word of God. And if you live your life devoid of the Word of God, you'll have no absolute truth or moral standard in your life, and you'll have all sorts of issues because you have not dealt with the problem of sin. A person who lives without moral standards will face emptiness, aloneness, and will always view others as a threat to his or her pursuit of happiness. Important we understand that. God created the original home. You see a lot of things on TV today. You see a lot of things on the news that are anti-God, anti-the Word of God. But I want to give you exactly what God's Word teaches us. He created the original home when He brought Adam and Eve together and united them as one. The home was instituted long before the church. Amen? The home was instituted long before the church, and it also continues to function as the foundation of every local congregation. The health of your home, sir, ma'am, is very important towards the health of this local congregation. I can't stress that enough. Please don't separate the two. It's very important that you don't. Because the purpose of the church is to complement the family and to honor the unique responsibilities of each member of that household. It's not the church's responsibility, sir, to actually educate your children on the Word of God. That would be your job. The church should come alongside you and assist you in helping you with that foundation for your home, but it is not solely the responsibility of the church. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, one of the greatest things we do as individuals is to help build godly Christian homes. Boy, Wiersbe was super wise when he said that. One of the greatest things you can do, one of the greatest contributions you can make to society today is to build a godly Christian home. So with all these negative reports that we see from day to day, we see the negative reports about the implosion of the home, we see the negative reports of all of the things that are going on in iniquity in our world, and we see the devaluing of Christian marriage. We see the devaluing of the, of the sanctity of marriage. I believe the Word of God teaches something must be done. Paul said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 to the Corinthian church, he said this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Aren't you glad to know that? That word all is very important. All things become new. See, we have been changed personally when, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and our home should always reflect that change. A man who has been changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ will have a definite impact on the society in which he lives. 
This past week, from last Sunday night to Thursday at noon, 90 straight hours, people who love God and love His Word, 87 people total from 18 different churches, walked to the podium at Ross Park and publicly declared that we believe that the Word of God can change the world and read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. At 5.18 Thursday morning, our good old buddy Bobby Bailey read the last words of Revelation 22, and they just started over and continued reading right up until noon and ladies and gentlemen it culminated with a prayer service on the lawn of the courthouse where people stood and publicly unapologetically declared our faith in Jesus Christ that we believe that prayer is the answer that prayer moves the heart and the hand of God and we're unashamed to do so I'm telling you it's going to take those kind of things in this culture we live in to see the world change for God and for good we cannot be silent we cannot back up we cannot apologize we must stand on the word of God declare the word of God and watch God do what only he can do amen do you believe that today I certainly certainly do we've been changed and we reflect that change I believe that you have an impact on society you have an impact on people around you and we cannot just watch our world as it swirls around aimlessly into a cesspool of sin and iniquity, we can't just watch it and stand back and just see what happens. We have to be proactive. We must reflect the change that Christ has made in us so that others may be changed as a result of our testimony. So this passage today that we've been walking through and will walk through and for the next few weeks, it gives us some tools and it gives us some instruction and men... We don't like instructions, do we? We just like to put it together and then and we'll consult the instructions when all else fails. But I want to help you today and let's take the tools and let's read the instructions to start with so that we can do exactly what God has called us to do. We're going to focus on verses 18 and 19 here for just a little bit. And they reveal to us the very basic building blocks to the foundation of a Christian home. The first thing Paul talks to us about is that of the surrendered wife. See, I believe this is important because I often hear people comment on this passage and this is what they say. Paul's just sharing his opinion. He's just sharing his opinion that he has toward women and it has nothing to do with what God says about them. But here's the real truth. The truth is, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means that all Scripture is literally God-breathed. It is God's Word, and it can be taken. And everything that Paul is teaching us right here in Colossians chapter 3 is not his opinion, but these are words given to him from God, from the heart of God, communicated to the people of God. We must make no mistake about it, friends. A surrendered wife is always found in the Christian home. I believe that. She must first be submitted to the Lord. As she submits to the Lord, she will willingly and gladly submit to her husband. But as we talk about these things, I want you to know also that there are some limitations of submission. And ladies, I know y'all y'all kind of cut me out right there, but you're coming back, all right? There's some limitations. Stay with me. Now, I'm on y'all's side, okay? I really am. You know, I'm with you. But there are some limitations of submission. Now, I should have put these on the screen, but I'm, I failed to do it, but you need to know them. What's one of the limitations of submission? One is, is that submission does not imply inferiority. Some ladies say amen, please. Okay, thank you. Okay, good. It, it does not imply inferiority. So you say, 
who is the superior partner in the marriage relationship? And that, I am glad to report to you today, is that both of you are. You're like, there's no way that both of us can be. But no, listen, it's important you understand that. I learned from Adrian Rogers years ago. He was asked, who is superior in the marriage relationship, the man or the woman? And he says both, and here's what Adrian says. He says a man is infinitely superior to a woman at being a man. And he said a woman is infinitely superior to a man at being a woman. That's a really good answer, isn't it? Because, see, God created you to be you. He created me to be a man. He created my wife to be a woman. And we live in a culture today where I never thought that I would be challenged with using offensive words from the pulpit like he, she, him, and her. I never knew those words would be offensive. But we live in a culture where they are. And they're going to become more and more offensive. But I'm telling you, we've got to stand true with the Word of God because here's how God put things together. And God put things together for a purpose because they will not function any other way unless they're done His way. So submission does not imply inferiority. There's another thing, another limit to submission. That is this, that obedience is not absolute. There are many times when a wife must refuse to submit to her husband's desires when they violate the laws of the nation and most importantly the word of God <laughs> ladies after church today you and, you and Joe Bob are going to go down here and get you some dinner and you're going to go by the quick rip and get you a gallon of milk and all that kind of stuff because you're running behind like the rest of us and say oh Joe Bob says to you don't worry about paying for it just go on in the quick rip and get a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread just come on out here to the car they owe it to us anyway well, it, well, you say, well, I have to do what he says because he's my husband. Please tell me you wouldn't do that, okay? But I'm just saying there are limits to submission. If he tells you to do that, you're violating the laws. You are going to jail, amen? So you don't want to do that. There are times when you cannot be. No, it doesn't mean you're inferior. Obedience is not absolute, but there's a third limitation to submission. That is this, is that the husband's authority is not to be exercised in an authoritative, overbearing manner. The wife's submission must always take place in the context of a loving relationship. Listen to me, listen to me, sir, I can help you. If she knows you love her and she knows you care about her and you listen to her, she will have no problem following your godly leadership and submitting to the way God's leading you because she knows you're going where God's going and that's where she wants to go, amen? It's important we understand that. See, a wife who is totally submitted to the Lord and her own husband is a woman who has a great potential to flourish in her relationship with God. That is very important for you to understand. She always and also allows her husband to grow in his relationship with God. Ma'am, you ought to be spurring Bubba on to love Jesus. Because look here, the more he loves Jesus, the more he's going to love you. The more he walks with God and the more he's like God, the more you're going to like him. Amen? I'm telling you, you ought to be encouraging him to love Jesus with all of his heart. And as he loves Jesus more, he can lead you to love Jesus more. See, it's important we understand that. See, when the mutual unconditional love is demonstrated between Christian mates here's what happens there's an atmosphere of spiritual growth that is created in the home which enables both the husband and the wife to become all that God ever created them to be it is so important for you to understand that but whenever our relationship with our spouse is strained it is often a result 
that we have a relationship with God that has become far, cold, and distant. If you want to stay close to your mate, stay close to God. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. There are some limitations to submission, but there's also something else about surrendered wives. There's a need of a legacy of support. Here's a question. I've had men ask me this over the years. Preacher, I just don't know what it is she wants from me. I love it when I get asked that because I always have the answer. What is it she wants from me? The number one need of every woman in this room is security. Did you know that? The number one need of every man in this room is respect. If a man is respected by his wife, he can take on the world. But if he's not respected by his wife, he feels lower than a snake's belly. When a woman feels security from her husband, there's nothing she won't go, nowhere she won't go, or nothing she won't attend. But when she does not feel secure with her husband, she is a wreck. I read this book by a man named Mark Merrill. His name All Pro Dad. I saw that. It got my attention. All Pro Dad. Because you know, when I became a pastor, uh, I became a pastor 10 weeks after my first daughter was born. And I knew then at 22 years old I would never be a tremendous preacher. I knew I was never going to be successful in a bunch of people's eyes, which doesn't matter anyhow. But I did know this. I did know I could work real hard at being a good husband and a good father. And I read that all pro dad caught my attention. And here's what he talks about in there. He says, there's some things that men should know about women. Guys, listen, you've been thinking all my life, preacher, I've been waiting for somebody to enlighten me. I'm so glad you're here. Here's what Brother Merrill says. He says this. He says, women want to feel secure. I just talked about it. I got ahead of myself, didn't I? He said, financial security is important, but it comes second to emotional stability. They're feeling emotionally connected and close to us and knowing we are there for them no matter what. That is what really matters to them. Uh, financial security is one but I've met a lot of people who had real financial security that were miserable because they had no emotional security I believe it's important for that here's another thing he said that women want is they want to feel loved he said women need to be reassured and we need to reassure our wives because she often feels insecure about our love for her why because everywhere you see there's plastered all over the internet all over the social media all over these things everybody's bragging and taking selfies how pretty they are and how slim they are amen I'll tell you something ladies and gentlemen it's a sad day in America when we judge somebody by their waist size and not by their love for the son of God Amen. See, it's, times of con it's in times of conflict with our wives that we should tell them we love them no matter what and that everything's going to be okay. They need to know that. Sometimes, sir, you don't know that, but she needs to know that you at least think that. Amen? No. Here's something else he said about women. He said, women want to be listened to. Can I tell you, this was the number one thing that I had to learn as a husband. I'm sure none of you guys struggled with that. Somebody please say, I struggled, preacher. Okay, just check. Because as men, we are not by nature very good listeners. We, somebody said, oh, wow, revelation from heaven, right? We're not, because here's the way God, most men are wired. Whatever's wrong, let's fix it as quick as possible so we can move on to the next thing because there's another thing breaking here. There's nothing breaking there. Let's just fix things and move on and let's do them as quickly as possible and let's not waste too much time at any stop. Man, 
I mean, like I told y'all, I've told joked about this before. Somebody said something to me one time. Said, "Preach, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings." I said, "You can't hurt my feelings. I used to have to hold a flashlight for my daddy to fix the truck." And when you get told, "Boy, you can't even hold a flashlight right," that doesn't do a whole lot for your self-esteem, does it? <laughs> no, well, you know what? We want to fix it and move on. Fix it and move on. There wasn't time to listen. And I had to learn this a lot. And you know what? Sometimes I still struggle, and I bet you do too, sir. There's times we struggle because we have so many demands on our life and so many people wanting us here, there, and everywhere. I've been a pastor almost 30 years, and it's always been, Preacher, why aren't you here? Preacher, why aren't you there? Preacher, need joy. Preacher, preacher, preacher. And before long, it just becomes like Charlie Brown's teacher talking on the telephone. A womp, a womp, a womp, 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 right? No, 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 hear me. But listening is so very important. Here's what I learned, and this is something in the book I'll probably did. She doesn't want you to fix it. <laughs> she just wants you to listen. She doesn't want or need a solution to the problem, even if she asks for your opinion. Sometimes you just need to smile and keep it to yourself. <laughs> I hope y'all have never fell for this one. If I ever act like my mother, please tell me. <laughs> you remember, two shoes. Which one looks best with this dress? Have you ever stopped and prayed and said, God, please let me pick the right one? <laughs> and I don't know about y'all, but that's a trick. That's a loaded one. Because whichever one you pick, it's kind of like the guy that had the bird between behind his back. And they said, is the bird living or dead? He said, I don't know. It's in your hands. You know, kind of one of those things. I don't know which one's right, but I always seem to pick the wrong shoe or the wrong belt. I, I had to learn a long way. But anyhow, she doesn't want us to understand how she's feeling about the problem. And I did, she wants us to understand and identify with how she's feeling. Saying words like this, thanks for sharing that with me, and I'm so sorry that happened. I tell you, I was a terrible listener in the early days. I'm still got struggles, but I am far from where I started. Amen. Aren't you glad, ladies, aren't you glad your man's made some progress? You're raising him up right, amen. Still, here's another thing. It says women want to feel beautiful. <laughs> My youngest daughter, Brooke, who has the personality of her mother. Uh, yeah, yeah, Y'all yeah. that know her know that's not true. Um, I'm taking her to school one morning. She's in about the eighth or ninth grade, and I told her, I said, "Brooke, you, you know, we gotta, you gotta, you know, get a little fire under it. You know, we gotta go. School starts at a certain time, right?" And I didn't want to be that parent that every time, oh God, here he comes late again. You know, I didn't want to be that parent because I know teachers y'all talk about us, but anyhow, <laughs> I said, "Brooke, you're gonna have to hurry up because we gotta get on. We're running behind." And she just looks at me with all the seriousness of the world. She looks at me and she says, Dad, this takes time. <laughs> and I said, well, well. I think what she was saying is, Dad, there's no hope for you. I learned that. She knows, sir, your wife, she needs to know deep within that you find her beautiful. And that you only have eyes for her. She doesn't want, she doesn't just want to know, am I beautiful? She wants to know, am I beautiful to you? Wow. And there's one other thing he said. 
Women want to be understood. This is the hard one, sir. This is the hard one. Now look here. All these other things you can work on, the understanding part, we're going to struggle. But here's what he said. He said, women need, to un need us to understand how they think and feel. Now, they ain't enough lifetimes in our life. <laughs> and you know what, ma'am, in your defense, I guarantee you, you, you could live five lifetimes. You couldn't figure out Bubba either. I'm telling you, he, 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 we, do, we just don't all, we, we're not. But here's, they need us to understand how they think and feel, even though, it's virtually impossible. The author of the book said it's virtually impossible. He said this, if we can generally understand how women think, we might be able to understand how they feel. Always be sensitive and considerate. Those are some things we need to understand because here's what happens. When you do that, sir, when that wife is surrendered and submitted to your leadership and his lordship, here's what happens. When she do that, you can leave a legacy of support. Here's what you can do for you little girls that come behind you. This is what I always said about my girls when they were coming up. And I hope it's worked out pretty good. And, and I give my son-in-laws a hard time, but they, please don't catch this on tape, they are pretty good most of the time. But anyhow, I, I, did I just say that? I'm getting soft. Uh, but anyhow, I, I just always, what I always said to my girls was, and I have other people at church talk to me about it, I said, look here. I just want my girls, when they find a husband, I want them to not accept to be treated any less than the way they saw their mother treated. Now, were we perfect? Did we have it all figured out? No. But I wanted them to see that their daddy loved their mama, respected their mama, and cared for their mama, and was sensitive to their mama, and all these different things, because I knew my girls, they were going to need somebody to love them, care for them, <laughs> be sensitive to them, to, to help them okay, get them through the hard times, and I wanted them to see that in action in the home, so when they built their own home, they'd build their own home based on the Word of God and what His Word teaches about relationships. You can can leave a legacy of support but there's another thing in verse 19 that we can't leave out he talks about the need of sacrificial husbands well, what do we find about sacrificial husbands? he said this you love your wives and do not be bitter toward them that's a real interesting statement we get the love your wife part but the bitter part we don't know so sacrificial husband first of all is characterized by a giving heart uh, sir it's important I believe if I ask all the men in the congregation today how many of you would be willing to die for your wife? I bet every hand would go up. I would hope so, and it should. I believe with all my heart that would do. You'd raise your hand boldly. But it's important for her to know, not just that you would die for her, but that there are some lifetime sacrifices she wants you to make while you are living. Hell, a lady said this to me one time years ago. She said, Preacher, I know my husband would die for me, but sometimes I just wish he would take a walk with me and talk with me. You see, the Greek word for love in verse 19 is in the present tense. It's an imperative voice, and that's important. It indicates a continuous action. When it says, husbands, love your wives, that's not just today, not just tomorrow, not just on the day you got married or on your anniversary. This is every day, a continuous action. It is a love that is given willingly, not a love of some passing emotion, but a love of choice. It is a covenant kind of love. You say, wait a minute, preacher. Marriage is just a piece of paper. I heard anybody say that? A preacher, it's just a man-made contract. And I'll be honest with you, it's sad today. Now when you get a marriage license, no clergy signature required. I mean, you could just show up and say, you like me? Yeah, well, I like you. Hmm, let's get married. 
You pay your money, sign your paper, just please pay. But I want you to hear me. No matter what it's made in government or no matter what it's made in society, marriage is not a piece of paper or a man-made contract. It is a God-made covenant. Don't ever forget that. It is a God-made covenant. And I don't want you to ever miss that at all. It's not just a giving heart, but I want to move quickly because i got to get done. There's also a guarded heart. Paul makes an interesting statement about the man about the love he's to show his wife. Look, he said, he said, do not be bitter towards them. Boy, that statement just, do not be bitter towards them. And I know many men today who would love to tell their wives the way they feel. Maybe she's not a good listener. Maybe it's just not you. Maybe it's her. You love to tell the way you feel, the way you feel inside, the way you feel about issues in your home, the way you feel about things in your job and your profession, the things about that. But here's what many men do. Many men don't talk and they don't communicate and they internalize all those feelings and they never get them out. And here's what happens. It translates into anger and hostility that can sometimes be projected towards those that you love the most, even your own wife. This makes a man become bitter, become bitter towards God. Can I tell you this, guys? I'm certainly no model of manhood or husbandhood or whatever, but I want you to know I do not have anybody on this planet that is a better friend of me or that I trust even remotely as much as I do my precious wife. She is my very best friend. And people tell me sometimes, I'll tell you this, but you can't tell Angie. Well, you just might as well not tell me. Y'all all right? And you say, well, you just can't. No, look here, look here. Let me just tell you this. She's like Fort Knox. What I know, what we know together. We've got so many things in our head, in our heart, so many things we've entrusted over the years just between us that I'm telling you right now. And I, it, that's what has made her my very best friend because I can trust her and she will not sell me out. She will not turn on me. She will not go tell another story. She will stand by me and love me and not just support me, but will sacrifice for me. Guys, listen to me, ma'am. Listen to me. You know what your husband needs? He needs you to be his best friend. Ma'am, ma'am, can I say to you, you need your husband to be your best friend. Sir, you don't need to have anybody else in your life you trust more than her. Ma'am, you don't need to have anybody else in your life you trust more than him. If you do, then it is out of balance, and it can cause great difficulty down the road because they need to be not only the object of your affection and desire, but of your trust. Wow. Christian men should never harbor ill feelings toward the wife. Neither partner should hide their true feelings, but both should have the liberty to be open and honest with each other. You've seen those before where you've got a domineering one where nobody can talk except that one. You know what happens? A small root of bitterness springs up in the home, and when it does, it can poison the marriage relationship, and it gives a foothold to Satan in the home. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, a happy marriage does not come automatically. You don't flip the switch. It is something that must be worked on at all times. And as we walk with Christ, in submission to him we have no problem submitting to one another and seeking to serve one another but where there is selfishness where there is conflict and division here's the problem if there is bitterness in the heart there will eventually be trouble in the home so what we've got to do is deal with the bitterness the Bible tells us to not let a root, but here's what happens. Sometimes we've let a root grow into a tree, and we have a tree full of bitterness in our heart, and it's poisoning our home, it's poisoning our relationships, and it's hurting us everywhere we go. 
But I must end today with a word that truly grips my heart. Because I desire for every man of God to honor God today. I, I want to honor God with my life, and I want to help you honor God with your life. I want to help your home be a, just a little piece of heaven here on earth. And I'm sure many of you today have these same thoughts. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wife in understanding. Give honor to her as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Did you hear that last part? That your prayers be not Could I hinder my prayer and communication with God from dishonoring and not showing my wife respect and love? Well, a loving husband appreciates his wife. He seeks to meet her needs, and he constantly treats her with respect. Where he says that about the prayers not being hindered, this is important. Many men are having their prayers hindered simply because they do are bitter toward their wife. Here's what a man once said. I'd do a lot better if my wife would just do what she's supposed to do. She's causing the problem. Sir, hear me. That's what one man said, but I want you to hear me. The Bible says do not be bitter towards her. You're to be the priest of that home, and you must decide whether you're going to be one of two things. You're either going to be the thermometer that just registers temperature. The thermometer can't do one thing about the temperature except tell you how hot or cold it is. But you don't need to be the thermometer in your home. You need to be the thermostat. You see, the thermostat regulates temperature. I don't know if y'all have used that regularly here in Alabama about March, April. It's kind of AC one day, heat the next, right back and forth. But it's going to get hot this week, and you're going to really appreciate that thermostat, right? You're going to drop it down there. So no matter how hot it is outside, you're going to come in and be cool. You're going to appreciate the thermostat because it regulated the temperature. Did you know in your home and men in our church, it is our responsibility to set the thermostat hot for the glory of God. And if we don't raise the temperature for God, nobody else will. I read about Winston Churchill. Y'all know he's one of my favorite guys from history. I love history. And toward the end of his life, he was at a banquet. Someone came up to him, and here's the question they asked him. They said, Mr. Churchill, if you could come back as any other person after you died, who would it be? Well, he thought for a second, and he stood up. He said, I guess I'd just come back as Miss Churchill's second husband. You know why he said that? He was totally captivated by his wife. Many historians have documented the love and the respect and the admiration that he had for So much so that he said, if you came back for a second life, he said, I choose to live it again with her. That's pretty awesome, amen? You know, there may be some in here today. You may have grown bitter. You may have had a relationship in in ways that you did not want it to. And your heart is broken and breaking still. Can I tell you, God loves you. We're not here to throw a rock at you. Anybody that knows this preacher for any length of time, you'll hear me say it over and over and again. I'll never throw a rock at you to hurt you, but I will throw a rope to you to help you. Here's the rope today. The Word of God says there's a danger in getting bitter because you can get there real quick. You could have gotten bitter. You could be bitter, and you know what? The Holy Spirit of God could be convicting you this very moment of that sin. But you know what the sad part is? Is that your bitterness has affected and hindered your prayers. 
And the best way to get that right is to repent of the bitterness so that you won't continue choking the life out of your communication with God. You know what you need to do today? After you've received the word of God, it's, it's great, but it's not really done a thing for you until you respond to the word of God. We can receive the truth and we can impart information. We can transfer technology. We can do all these things. But until we respond to the Spirit of God as He speaks to our heart and draws us to repentance, we have yet to do anything. You can agree with everything. You can say, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. But until that word has affected you to respond for God, then nothing is being accomplished. So, sir, look, if there's bitterness, you can say, well, I'm not going to come to an altar today. Somebody will go home and say, yep, no, he's been bitter for years. Who cares what they think? What you better be concerned about is what God knows. And if there's something hindering you communicating with God, hear me and hear this preacher clearly today. Here's the rope. Come to Jesus and let's get that cleaned up. Let's get that straightened out. If there's bitterness in your home, we're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. And the only way you're going to get help is realizing there's a problem and getting honest with God and pouring your soul out to God. That's the only way you're going to get help. So if we're going to establish Christian homes that affect our churches, affect our communities, affect our county, affect our state, affect our nation, and affect our world, it's going to come through people repenting, getting right with God, and then walking with God from this point forward. I really believe that. So if you've got bitterness, nobody's being hurt from the bitterness more than you, but there are people all around you that are suffering in your circle of influence because of your bitterness. Today is a day to come to Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the power that it has to change lives. Father, right now at this invitation time, here on this Mother's Day service. I pray for my brothers out here today. Because, Father, I realize how easy it could be to become bitter with all the stuff going on in the world and how that bitterness could be transferred to our homes and affect our relationships with our wives and our children. And, Father, how that bitterness could affect our relationships with our other brothers and our churches and our communities how we could be hindered in our communication with you and God today I lift up my brothers today that they that they get that clean if there's anything hindering them they get that clean today I pray for our sisters here today oh father we realize what a wonderful wonderful part they play in being a part of the local church and the community of believers Father, I know it's tough being a mother and it's tough being a lady in this culture. And God, we're praying for them, a Christian woman, struggle in this culture. And God, we know that your spirit can supply all the strength we need. And I pray our sisters would tap into that today. But God, most of all, I pray for those that don't know you today. Those that may be lost in their sins and, 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 and headed toward eternity in hell. But today, Father, they've come to this place, they've heard your word and sensed your presence. And God, as you speak to them and draw them, I pray they'd come today and repent and trust you fully and wholly today and become your child. 
I pray for your children who may have grown cold and bitter. Maybe there's some bitterness, Father, that so hindered us. God, we must get it out today. Maybe there's a husband that needs to recommit his love to his wife today. Maybe there's a wife that needs to recommit her husband's love to him. Maybe, Father, there just needs to be just some tearing down of walls that the world has built. But, God, you can take down. Lord, we love you. We pray this invitation glorifies you, that lives are changed forever. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet all across the house. And as you're standing today, here's the invitation. We're going to sing this little chorus. It just says, I need you more, more than yesterday, more than words can say. And we do need him more than we ever have. Amen, church. And today I want you to know as God speaks to your heart, now is your opportunity to respond to what God has spoken into your life. If there's any bitterness, just know this. We're not looking for what's wrong with you. We're looking for what God can make right with you. And we want to help you be all you can be for Jesus. So as Marty leads us, as God speaks to your heart, would you just come to Jesus today? Marty, when you're ready. Let's make us our prayer this morning. I need you more, oh, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words, more than words could say. I need you more than ever before. I need you. that part again I need you more oh more than yesterday I need you more more than words more than words can say I need you more than ever before I need you more I need more than the air, more than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat, more than anything, and Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never want to go. To my own life, I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words, more than words could say. I need you more than ever before. I need you, Here's what we want to do, church. On that part where it says, more than the air I breathe, we're going to pick up right there. And I want you to sing through this chorus because listen to me. The days are difficult. The days are evil. But God is good. And we need Him. And we need each other. As we sing this little chorus together, let's not only sing it from our heart to God's heart, but I want to encourage you to do this. 
Pray that God would knit our hearts together and join as one, one heartbeat, one mouth. We might glorify God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need God, we need each other. So Marty's going to lead us on this a little bit. Let's sing this together with him. More than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat, more than anything time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never want to go back. Yesterday, I need you more, more than words, more than words could say, I need you more than ever before, I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord. And would you give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You're being seated. Our ushers are coming. And as they're coming, we enjoy and look forward to the opportunity to worship through giving today. I want to encourage you as we give today. Don't forget, of course, our regular uh, giving to our church. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. We set it aside the first day of the week and bring it to the Lord's house. And trust that he'll take it and use it for his glory. Last week when we were doing the Bible reading, early Thursday morning, no, it was one earlier, one day earlier than that, probably Tuesday or Wednesday, I had to fill in a spot that morning and I was reading Malachi. I told Brother Bobby, I said, Bobby, I said, I couldn't hardly get through it. Now I've read the book of Malachi a hundred times, but there's something about the Word of God it never loses its power. It still cuts on the way in and on the way out. And it cuts to the dividing points of the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. But as I read Malachi chapter 1, I literally choked through the first chapter about how God was about to pronounce judgment because... Not just the people, but the preachers were not challenging the folks to bring their best. And accepting blind and animals and lame animals, leftovers and not the first fruits. Then they got to chapter 3 and he said, just try me. I remember when Angie and I were young, young Christians and young married. I remember reading that verse and saying, Lord, you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to trust you. And by his grace, he taught us to trust him with the tithe. And because of that, I really believe he taught us that not only that we could trust him, but that he would always be there. We've got needs in our life right now, as I bet every person in this room does it. We really need God to show up. Amen? I bet you do. I bet we all do, don't we? We really need God to show up in them. In Malachi 3, he says, just try me. I, I'll prove myself. 
And he said, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, I'll fill your barns up to overflowing. You have so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. And he says, and I'll get between you and the devourer, and I'll rebuke him, and I, I will do that for you. And I want to tell you today, as you give, I want you to always remember, I'm not giving to something, I'm giving through something. And it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is touching lives all around the globe. As you give today, you give from your heart sacrificially, joyfully, and cheerfully. And I believe this with all my heart. When we do these things, God brings it together. He makes something beautiful. And he can use us to do things we think are impossible. So remember our giving day. Remember our partners in Utah. Those envelopes are there. Remember them through the month. And we continue to support them. We'll be out there soon. And you'll get to see again the, the first fruits of your investments. So as we give today, let's join our hearts together. And let's ask God's blessings on our giving. Dear Heavenly Father, just like the song says, we need you. We need you more now than ever before, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I'm not the only one that's struggling. We're all struggling. I've had that old life, and I don't ever want to go back to it, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I just ask you to watch over our church family, that we become thermostats, that you raise the heat up on us, that we keep you alive, we keep burning for you, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I just ask you to be with all the mothers today. to us real quick here before we get dismissed about our student ministry uh, event next Sunday evening. So, Michael, you go ahead and share whenever you're ready, bud. I just wanted to thank y'all for allowing me to be the uh, singer-outer, and I really appreciate the guy that gave me this salary, 100000 just to sing y'all out of the church. Woo, how about that? No, listen, church family, I got a request for you. On May 15th at 5 o'clock here at the church, we're going to have a benefit singing. Uh, we'll have uh, Paul Padgett, Winston Bryant, uh, for Keith Raisin, and Marty Burson. 
and we'll have special guest Connie Moore tickling the ivories and every on the piano. So when, after you eat lunch today, you take your nap and all that, get on the party line like it's 1999. <laughs> Call around to Uncle Bob, Aunt Lucille, and say, hey, we got a singing going on May 15th at 5 p.m. It's going to benefit the youth. Uh, we're raising money to go to Panama City, so it's going to help. So get the word out for us, all right? Thank you all. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, Michael may even wear his Richard Simmons outfit just to draw, just to draw a class. <laughs> we save that for Bible school. You know what's funny is, is I can always tell you all, and this is truthful, that my grandmother used to take me to hear Winston Bryant and Paul Paget sing when I was a little bitty boy sitting on her knees. So, <laughs> so this would be like old times. <laughs> I remember those guys, but y'all won't believe this. Paul had a lot more hair back in them days. <laughs> Winston still looks like he just walked out of 1982. Just about. But no, uh, that'll be good. Thank you for supporting our students. Be a lot of great music, and like I said, you can make a contribution. And, That'll go directly. They're going to Laguna Beach for student retreat uh, this summer for the uh, 10th through the 13th of June. And I know they greatly appreciate your support. We love our students. Love Chris and Tracy, Michael, Carey, and Keith, and all you guys. I don't leave anybody out. Y'all all mean so much to us in working with our students. And they're never going to forget you. Always remember this. Young people grow up, and they don't always remember their lessons, but they never forget their leaders. Never. Never do, so thank you for doing that. Marty, you come, you will. Don't forget on your way out today, 6 o'clock on Wednesday, everybody. I know there's graduation, Rammer tomorrow night, Heflin on Tuesday. Lots of stuff going on this week. But don't forget that God loves you, I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Amen. Let's stand together, Marty, sing us out.